Good morning. Uh, welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Um, isn't it exciting to be here, uh, to be in a place where we can worship God, learn about Him, uh, learn how He's loved us and how we can love Him better? I just think that's uh, really cool that we can be in a country that allows us to do that freely and allows us to do that openly. Um, so this week I've been thinking a lot how... Uh, in my personal Christian life, I will have often an on-off switch to my Christianity, how I worship God. I have my times where I, um, I worship God, such as my Bible study time in the morning when I come to church, uh, praying for a friend every once in a while, or yeah, just like little things. And then over here, I'll have my time where I do my entertainment, where I watch my movies, I listen to my music, um, and though those things might not be bad, I might not be listening to bad music, uh, those things could be more fully surrendered to God, uh, and opportunities in my life where I can be building myself more towards um, God and putting myself more towards a heavenly realm, um, or I can be building myself towards my flesh, because I can only feed one thing, and yeah, I can either be feeding my flesh or I can be feeding my spirit. Uh, and I think Jesus had some things to say about that. In, uh, so we're going to read here in Luke 14, 25 through 35. <clears throat> now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able to with 10,000, meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not well, the other is a great way off. He sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for soil or the manure pile. It is to be thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um... So here, Jesus is calling for complete rejection of all the things that this world has to offer. All those desires that I have uh, to do things, maybe not directly against God, but things that aren't building me towards uh, the Spirit. So in this context, when Jesus is calling the Jews to take up their cross, they didn't have the same context as we would. Um, their context would be uh, Varus, which was the guy who came and conquered Judea, made 2,000 Jews carry a cross to outside of Jerusalem where he then crucified them. So Jesus was basically saying, I want you to come with me, carry your cross to the place where you're going to die, um, which was insane. And Jesus said that if you're not willing to do this, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. So in my life, I've just thinking, been thinking a lot about the things that I have in my life that I have not fully surrendered to God, that I have not put on my back and carried as a cross and just put in his hands. 
So, yeah, uh, if that applies to you, maybe I just encourage you to be thinking about the things that maybe you could be surrendering more fully to Jesus in your own life. Uh, so I'm going to ask Burke to pray. Are there any prayer requests? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Prayer for Bart and Lisa who are hoping to fly today. There's nothing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's no one else. Go ahead, Bert.
Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. It is an unspeakable privilege to be here today. I tell you why I say that. Earlier this week, I had the privilege to be in a worship service that was a funeral of a man that I don't have a lot of contact with, but it, it's my sister-in-law's dad, or was, and uh, he seemed like he was in the prime of his life, children, grandchildren, and uh, as always happens whenever somebody dies, and especially, I don't want to say it was too soon, because it's all in the Lord's time, but especially in this case, you sit back and consider your own life, um, the things you do. Uh, kind of like Keegan talked about in the opening there, the, the, the things you do. And I realized that it is just an unspeakable privilege to come here every Sunday morning and worship together with you, the saints of God, who has the Spirit of God living inside of them, to come here is just awesome. It's, it's a great feeling. So thank you all for coming. Um, if you're a visitor, you're included in that because we're all going to worship Jesus together and his spirit empowers us. We have the assurance of eternal life and we can go to a funeral, the, the house of mourning, and be sad. And then we can come here again on Sunday and be happy. We can uh, praise the Lord for all he's done. So I would like us to continue here to open our Bibles to the book of 1 John, and I want to read chapter 2. And I'll tell you why I do that. Um, I appreciated Don's opening in Sunday school this morning also. He talked about marriage and whether it was a contract or a covenant with God. And I feel like in, in a way it kind of ties in. I'm kind of amazed at this spirit every time. I come here, what it has to say to us. But I'm kind, I have a concern, I guess, um, with the world that we live in. I think it's, it's been referenced in, in some of the things um, that some of you have already said. So I want to talk about that. This, a little bit of context for this chapter or this book of 1 John. As I understand history to tell us that when John wrote this, the, the scriptures or this writing itself doesn't say that John wrote it. It would be like this church that he wrote the letter to received the letter and probably on the outside it said from John. And when somebody said, hey, I've got a letter from John, everybody in the church knew who it was. So you, somebody referenced Bart, like let's say Bart's in Honduras getting ready hopefully to fly today. If I stood up here and whipped out my smartphone and said, I got a text from Bart. You all know exactly who I'm talking about. And when I say whatever he said, you kind of almost hear his voice saying it. I think, as I understand it, that John was getting older here. And in the first verses of the first chapter, he talked about Jesus Christ that he knew, that he had touched, that he had seen. And he was, as we understand it, the last disciple or apostle that was living and so 
the, the things that he was writing about, it appears like that he was trying to refute or combat false teachers of, of false doctrines or teachings of things that were going on at the time frame that this was likely written. We don't know exactly um, when it was written, but if, if it were before the time that John wrote the, the, the revelation that he had received, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the, the last book in the Bible that we read, if it were before that, around that time, there was a teaching going on that um, said that matter is inherently evil, so therefore the spirit is good. And then these teachers decided that if that's the case, this Jesus that came that John's talking about, well, he, wouldn't, he wasn't evil. They, they, would, they would say that he was deity. We, that there was miracles done, they seen. And so they, they really didn't think that he was actually human which we know not to be um, the case. Then these same teachers also claimed that because of this spirit that was so good, they had an elevated knowledge uh, that was only possessed by those that had been initiated. I'm not exactly sure how. I didn't want to get too deep into this, but their knowledge was actually higher than Scripture. So by the time these false teachers got all done with it, they said that... Since matter is evil and we are able to have this knowledge of spirit that they would either treat their bodies really harshly or they would say that really sin committed in the body doesn't have any effect on the spirit. So this, this led to an absolute indulgence and immorality. And they got to the point where they even denied that sin existed. Now, John doesn't say, I think what I just described to you there was called Gnosticism. So if you're like me, pull out your smartphone real quick and say, what is that? But John doesn't say, I am writing to you to refute this false teaching. He tells us the truth. And we're only surmising that he was refuting this false teaching that was probably going on around this time, history would tell us. Um, so the reason I'm concerned is because I think where, where we live in our world today, we are seeing a continuation and an escalation of ideas and logic like this. In fact, we people have went so far as to say that there is no God. Those men back then said, well, really, sin don't matter. You know, it's all about the spirit anyway. There, there's no God. Or if I make one up, you can have any one of them. They're all good. They're all just fine. Any, any way you want, we're all going to heaven. The product of this is more indulgence and immorality, fornication, adultery, is not only not a problem, it's encouraged in the world that we live in today. And lives are destroyed because of it. Then we can also decide that, well, um, it's my choice because there is no God. So I control everything I do and abortion becomes an issue. And then homosexuality. Um, and, and then we can even get to the point where we think that it is my choice if I decide whether I'm a man or I'm a woman. Um, so, 
like John here, I think, I feel like when I read this, this chapter of John, it's, it's like an older man setting me down and saying, okay, you boys listen here. I got something to tell you. I'm noticing some things. So that's what I want you to hear here. This, this, this uh, second chapter, the first verse starts off with my little children. I think John is addressing us all today as a, a brother, yes, in Christ, but also he's addressing us as one who knew Jesus Christ, who touched and handled him. This is real. This is not virtual reality that John seen Jesus in some video game. So let's read this. Um, I'll, I'll read the whole thing. I might start off in the middle. Look for verse 15 as we're going through this. Um, and, and that's where I want to start off at. But we'll begin reading in cha uh, chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he, Jesus, walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have written unto you because you know not... I have written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth." Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he 
that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and this is the truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So I wanted to start off in verse 15, like I said, and I titled the message, Love Not the World. Um, I want to start off there and differentiate between what John means by the world here. Uh, Yesterday I got a text from somebody with some pictures of in the morning there was frost on some pine needles and everything was frozen. That would be the earth. I don't think that's what John's talking about. That's very beautiful. That's very awesome. And it shows the power of God. We love God. I don't think John also is talking about the planet or or, uh, that was the planet, the people. Um, You know, we'll say that there's a group of people and we maybe will refer to them as the world. I think what John is referring to here is a spiritual system of evil that is dominated by Satan himself. So when all of these ideas, like like I talked about there in the beginning, come up, those are being propagated by an evil force. And, And we recognize that that evil exists. John is encouraging us here to not love or not um, give our affection and devotion to anything that has to do with that. So I would, I would definitely differentiate between if we have the love of the Father, which we want to talk about here as we go, we will love people. That, that's not what, what's being talked about here, and that's, that's not, or even the planet itself, while we don't want to worship it, um, not loving the world is, is a little bit different of a deal. And he goes on here to tell us about that. Neither the things that are in the world, and he says what those things are. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. If lust is longing for what is forbidden, and then our flesh or our carnal nature wants things like like these, these problems or these teachings I talked about in the beginning, we can have anything we want in this world. Um, it's, a, it's a click away. And, and we're kind of conditioned to get what we need really quickly. Then these teachings come in and maybe tell us that, well, really there is no God, and so sin is not a problem. You can get the sins as well as fast as you can click away or as fast as you can pull out your smartphone. 
So these two, when I, when I read this, that the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, they, they kind of go together. It's like one feeds the other, and, and this, this evil world system will trick us, will deceive us into thinking it's not that big a deal. I'm sitting at home by myself. Nobody will ever know because they don't even recognize that there's a God that sees and hears everything anyways. So what's the big deal? And then you did it, and nothing happened except for your, maybe your conscience got to you a little bit. So if the lust of the eyes, I would define that as envy by vision. So we would be tricked into this, this world system of evil by something that looks good. And then if, if that looks good and I decide I want it and I, and I go after it, that's the lust of the flesh. The pride of life then kind of tails right along with these things, and it would be boasting about my livelihood or my possessions. And the only thing that does, if, if I think that I am better than somebody else, here again, thinking of this loving not the world and the world system, I think I'm better than somebody else, and I boast about why I am, I am only making myself better off of tearing them down. And this whole evil system that Satan is in charge of just encourages me to do that and, and rejects the idea that there is a creator God, that there is a propitiation for our sins and that, that we, can, we can be saved from it. Um, I like how John writes this here. It took me a little bit to grasp this, but what I started doing when I was reading it is I would take the, some of the concepts that he has here and take them in reverse and say, okay, verse number 15, um, it ends with the love of the Father is not in him. So as a Christian, I have the love of the Father. I want the love of the Father in me. Therefore, I don't love the world because I love the Father, which Father God. So Step back here a couple verses then, and John talks to each one of us. I said in the beginning, he, he kind of started to address us, and he said, my little children, and I, I'm taking that more of as a, hey folks, brothers and sisters, sit down here, I got something to tell you. But then he addresses us starting in um, verse 12, I believe it is. He, he writes to the little children, he writes to the fathers and he writes to the young men in that order. And so the, the little children, he, he gives a couple different statements. He says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And then he, a little bit later when he addresses the little children again, and I'm going to say this is spiritually little children, because you have known the father. So a child knows their father. And our father has given us Jesus and he's forgiven us of our sins. So I found these instructions here to be, um, to be profound, I guess, to, to some of the, the issues that any of us could face um, in our world today, like we talked about, world being the system of evil that is ran by the devil. Um, to... To back up what John's saying, in, in Galatians 5.16, Paul said, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not 
fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So if we are addressing little children spiritually, fathers and young men spiritually, each one needs to walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh like John talked about. Um, but there's, there's different, maybe different issues or different ways that, you can, that we can talk to each other, that we can encourage each other. And the whole, the whole reason for John giving this is, is verse 17. And, and the, the reason not to love the world is because, verse 17, the world passes away and the lust thereof. So if we participate, if we take in that entire world system, we're going to pass away. Um, but if not, he that doeth the will of God, so if we reject that, if we love not the world, he that doeth the will of God abides forever. And that we find later is eternal life. So I've spent a lot of time standing up here talking to you saying, love not. And several years ago in, in Rachel and I learned in raising children, someone gave us a tip, and, and we're using this again now the best we can, that if you tell a little child, no, don't do that, no, don't do that, we, we can see they run around the house pointing at everything saying, no, 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 but replace that. When you tell them no, replace that with what you should do. So don't love the world. If I'm not to love the world, what should I love? Um, This came up in Don's opening. This came up in Keegan's opening. That They were already talking about the good part of this. What should I give my affection and devotion to? So just staying in this second chapter of 1 John, I wanted to work through, starting at verse 7, this idea of an old commandment and a new commandment. What should I love? In verse 7, John says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you. If we look at the previous verses, I'm going to assume that verse 7 is talking about the previous verses here in the chapter. I think the command John is talking about is the very first command in the Ten Commandments. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second commandment is love your neighbor. Love not the world, love the Lord, and love your neighbor. Then John goes on and says, a new commandment I'm going to write to you. So now that we have Jesus Christ, the propitiation for our sins or the appeasement or the satisfaction of, for our sins, the new commandment, love God, love your neighbor, love your brother. That, that I think is the new commandment that he's talking about. And it's pretty easy to stand up here and say it, and some days it's not very easy to do if we're not getting along with each other very much. But like I said in the beginning, a community of Christ-following believers, it's nothing but exciting to come to church on Sunday and worship the Lord together. We have our issues with each other, and we pray and we turn those over to God. So this is how we know, what does it say here? The new commandment I write unto you, verse 8, which thing is true in him and in you. So Christ loved us, we love him, we love our brother. The darkness is past and the true light now shines. But, uh, let's see, he saith, 
He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness. So I didn't say this about the false teachers at the beginning, but one of the things they would do was divide the people and try to get a group to come with them and, and reject or, or work against anyone that tried to call out any of the false doctrines that they were teaching. And essentially they would foment hate in between each other. Not what we want to do. Um, to, to love not the world, but to love God, um, love our neighbor, and love our brother. If we're doing that, I'm not laying my eyes on it, but the way I wanted to say it, if we're doing that, we are than in Jesus Christ. That, that is the definition that we talk about when we say we're in Jesus Christ. And verse 6, there it is. We should walk even as he walked. Which he, he's the example that we, that we have. So, I guess moving on from all of that, there's a whole lot more there. And we'll just leave that there for now. Because of all this escalated... Um, false teachings and problems that our world sees here it is John says that it is the last time and that Antichrist will come and he writes to us I think because we have the Holy Spirit and that unction that is talked about in verse 20 is an anointing is how I would understand that and actually you know all these things I'm not telling anybody here anything new you already know this but it's good to be in it and to review so that you can refute these things when they come. Uh, it's, it's good to teach this because um, we want to abide in Christ. That would be the, the last set of, of verses. And he also then in verse 25 promises us eternal life. And the, the reason, or not the reason, but one of the reasons we want to be ready for his coming, we want to abide in him and follow these commands is because verse 28, when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. If we love the world as I previously defined it, we would be ashamed to see the creator of the world come and not be following his commands so let's turn over to John's earlier book the gospel of John and look for chapter 16 I think this is very important to this message and it is kind of the way I say I would say I'm going to wrap it up here um, Jesus is He's answering some people. I'm just going to look at verse 33. There's a whole lot of context. You'll have to find that out later. But for our purposes today, in verse 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So that's the end of it. And we went through it all here pretty quick. But what I would compare or the analogy I would use for where we are today, I think our culture, or, or I'll say the world, is like the Titanic. 
1912. It set sail. It was said to be nearly unsinkable. And believing that, they sailed across the ocean and there was an iceberg. And they sailed right close to the iceberg. Here underneath, it ripped a big gash in the side of the boat. And once they figured it out and the water is rushing in, I, I think it's correct that the engineer that helped design the ship was on the ship and he came to the realization with calculations that there's nothing we can do. This thing is going down. I think that's where our culture is today. We have allowed for and listened to and sailed too close to the world system that Satan is perpetuating on us. And he reached out and slashed a gash in the side of our culture and he's pouring in lies and sin and destruction. There's tribulation and it is certain. The scriptures say so. It is certain. It's only a matter of time before this sinks. We have the love of the Father. We love the Father. We don't love the world. What should we be doing? We don't need to get involved and rearrange the deck furniture and try to make the world comfortable. We need to man the lifeboats. We have the gospel. Jesus Christ is a propitiation for our sins. He's the satisfaction for the Father. We need to take that to anyone that will hear because we don't love the world. We love the people. We love God. We love Jesus. That's what he did. Tom, are you ready to have a song? Where are you at? Let's have a song and then we'll go to prayer after that. In testimony of what we've heard, it's saying 374 from the Christian Henry. <clears throat> the soul is in, in an offering of several different things. I think it's important to realize. Oftentimes we take familiar songs, don't think about the words we're singing. But the hymn writer here talks about we're offering or offering to Jesus our very being, our body, our uh, intellect, and our affection. I think about that as it's in the soul. Take my life and
Let's bow in prayer. Hold on a second. Take that back. Cephas. Okay, we're going to prayer. Let's bow in prayer. We're going to remember Phil because his sister-in-law passed away. He's preaching the funeral today in Idaho. So let's bow in prayer. Almighty God, Father, we love you. We thank you for this rich opportunity to gather together brothers and sisters together, saints, to worship you, to uh, feel the Spirit here is just simply amazing. We know that this is an opportunity that we have today, and we enjoy it immensely. Father, we know that if we are here next week for worship again, it will be because of your power, and that you continued to give us all of the blessings that you have. Lord, we commit to you today to love you, to love only you, and as your word directs us, to not love the world, but to follow your commands as you have gave them, to dig deep into your word, to find out how we can love you more, what we can do for you, and understand the purpose that you have for us, that you have created us for and placed us here on your creation, the earth, to do. Lord, I want to remember our brothers, especially Brother Phil, like Cephas brought up. He's traveled a long way, and it's his responsibility to preach a funeral today, so we want to pray for him Pray that the Spirit would be a mighty power inside of him and that he would proclaim your word at a service that is in mourning. Yet, looking forward, Lord, to knowing that your servants get to have eternal life and we get to spend it with you. So we pray for him and Mary Ellen. Pray for Bart and Lisa. They're traveling too. And we look forward to the next time that we will gather here or in glory with you and your son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. For announcements, next weekend at Cornerstone, we are having... A weekend of teaching with Jason Reed called Foundations for Life. There are brochures like this out in the 